Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome, 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 whatever. I can't talk today. Welcome to the latest Outsports Podcast. This is Jim Bozinski with Sid Ziegler in Los Angeles on what is another blazingly hot day in Los Angeles. Supposed to be 101 degrees this weekend. Sid, you refereeing a game somewhere Saturday afternoon? I got I got a game this afternoon, and then I got I have three in Orange County, Santa Ana, on Saturday. So it's gonna be Ooh. it's gonna be hot. I'll be well hydrated. Yeah, it's weird. It's going to be 101 degrees here Saturday in Los Angeles, and the Dodgers are playing. Not until the night, though, that actually cools down. and Kind of brutal. I mean, it's we, the fall. people don't realize L.A. weather in the, in the early fall is often hotter than it is in July. Yeah, and, and uh, well, it, it just depends. I mean, the, the weather, any time from... May to November, it is a roller coaster. It could be, but the one nice thing is it's nice and cool in the evenings. Yeah, yeah. But you know, one thing that I, I uh, I've always, I always used to drink water to stay hydrated. And you know, I'm out mm-hmm. there refereeing in the sun for hours and hours on end. And next weekend I'll be at the Gable in Philadelphia for, I mean, twelve hours a day for three straight days. And I, I've, I've gravitated more toward. Powerade Zero now because it's got zero calories, so I'm not you know drinking a bunch of sugar, and the flavors are pretty good. What what what, what do you drink? What's your you, you drink a lot of Gatorade, right? Well, I actually I don't I don't I, if I drink Gatorade, it's still G2 with a lot less sugar, but Pedialyte's the thing that really helps with my dehydration. It's by far Pedialyte. the best. It's just Pedialyte. It's the baby you know they give the babies for diarrhea. And I discovered a lot of endurance athletes use it, and it's great for rehydrating, and it's really bailed me out. Huh. Well, I'll uh, keep that in mind. The coconut water, I'll use coconut water, too. Yeah, but the Pedialyte, the only problem with Pedialyte is pricey. I mean, it's about, the cheapest you can get it, about three fifty a bottle. But when I go to football, I bet, like, you know, one bottle a week or something. But that, that that's by far what helps me. And that and water and G2 and... Yeah, but uh, people don't realize how, how important it is to hydrate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what do well, we so have we're, on we're tap? Have oh, a... We have a guest. Uh, we'll have a guest in a couple of minutes, a former minor league baseball player for 11 years, which is a long time in the minors, John Dillinger, who uh, is gay, was not out when he was playing, but we're going to talk to him about the baseball playoffs. But also, you know, is there anything unique about baseball that, that makes it either easier or harder for a player to come out and and talk about a few other things we have going on on the website? Well, the one thing that I've kind of jumped out at me over the last couple of weeks is, is you know, Michael. Not a lot of people are talking about Michael Sam, and he's, you know, he's on the practice squad now with the Cowboys. But we've seen a couple times now people make comments about him, just kind of either snarky or crude or homophobic comments. We've seen a couple of signs from from you know college kids uh, making fun of him the, on on uh, on ESPN the other day. Somebody, there was a comedian they had on who talked about Michael Sam, and he said he just bought a Michael Sam jersey, had 17 S's on it. And it's been interesting that, I, I mean, it's the conversation about Michael Sam because he's not out there on the field is kind of, when I hear about him, it's people making fun of him for being gay. It's like all over again. 
Uh, that that was on ESPN. Somebody make a joke like that. It's a pretty bad joke. <laughs> yeah, you didn't see that. Yeah, no, Ari was Spears. It? He's he's Ari Spears. They had him on Sports Nation or whatever one of those ESPN two shows. And yeah, he said, "Oh yeah, I just bought my Michael Sam jersey. I had 17 S's on it, but I'm bum." Like, and and then he told TMZ, "You don't think he'll be invited back on ESPN again?" Yeah, I don't think so. It's a pretty it's a pretty bad. That's a bad one to me. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. The sign that was at, showed up on College Game Day about Michael Sam, you know, he even can't handle these cocks, referring to the South Carolina Gamecocks. We did a poll, and the vast, probably sixty percent of the people replying did not think there was anything wrong with it. So I was sort of surprised by the comments and the poll. Um, to me, it seemed pretty obviously it was offensive. It, you know, Michael Sam doesn't play for South Carolina. It's not like an inside joke, but. Um, you know, I was told to lighten up, but we've seen that. We've seen the sign with the frat at LSU. But, yeah, he seems to be a punchline for people, and I find the jokes themselves to be just kind of so lame to begin with. But it is interesting that people feel that's something they could say, oh, let's make fun of this guy, and it'll be okay. Yeah, it's well, it's it's the, what we're seeing is the, the fraternity humor that that's out there. And and uh, and and you know Michael Sam obviously now they have kind of a target to go after whether it's LSU or um, South Carolina and and so it's just kind of coming you know we're noticing it now because we're paying attention to Michael Sam but that kind of stuff I mean it was certainly there when I was in a fraternity 20 years ago and it's not surprising that it's still there. It's just the first time we actually have an actual person that you could attach this to. Um... You know, an actually openly gay football player who is still on the Dallas Cowboys practice squad. And uh, funny, the Cowboys are three and one. So maybe Michael's had a <laughs> positive influence on the Cowboys. Mm. Well, I'm wondering. Well, we're, um, I'm wondering what John Dellinger has to say about this. I'm, I'm assuming this is John Dellinger. I, don't, I didn't get it. What's uh, yeah, the one five area code? <laughs> hey, John, how are you? This is hey, Jim and Sid. Good, how you doing, Jim? Sorry about your Pirates last night. Uh, it was a little bit heartbreaking, but that's what happens when you only get uh, four hits and none of them are extra base hits. <laughs> Were you in the Pirates um, uh, farm system? Yeah, I was in the Pirates farm system for about six years. And you knew Kevin, obviously, Kevin McClatchy, the former owner who himself came out just a couple of years ago, correct? Yeah, definitely, yeah. You know him from playing with them or you knew him socially or outside of baseball? Well, he was the uh, uh, one of the owners whenever I was with Pittsburgh back then. And, right. you know, we got to shake hands a few times and talk a few times while I was there, but, you know, nothing any more than just a, on a professional level. So, Well, John, do you give you, I'll give you some brief back. He played 11 years in the minors for, what was it, 15 different teams? Um, yeah, probably, I think, five or six different organizations. Um maybe 15 different teams with a, a few independent league teams there towards the end of my career. And you wound up your last uh, team was the Long Beach Armada out here in Southern California. That was one of the four in 2005. <laughs> and I remember you told the story that we had at Outsports where you there. Tell the story about the Bear Convention. Uh, so uh, they put the veteran. I was considered a veteran when I was with the Long Beach Armada. And they put us in uh, one of the hotels there at the corner of the PCH and Second Avenue in Long Beach. 
they had a bar inside the uh, lobby where they hosted a bear camp, which is, you know, the fourth Saturday of each month. And uh, it happened to be right there in the lobby of where I was staying. <laughs> and you kind of what? Talk about how you like were sort of intrigued but also afraid because you were closeted. Oh, yeah, totally, totally afraid to go in there. Um, but I was very intrigued by all the posters and things and advertisements that they had. They had up in the lobby and out on the um, telephone poles outside and such, but I could never get the balls to go inside, of course, back then. So, But it was very interesting, and that was uh, when I was first introduced to community. Um, um, so it kind of opened up a whole new world to me. And, um, you know, fortunately I retired and was able to uh, uh, actually be myself finally, so. What year did you retire? When were you done? 2005. Wow, yeah. Talk about the process of like uh, of you were you were closeted while you played, but you didn't seem you well. You said in your story a couple years ago for Out Sports that you you weren't troubled like by it. Like, you weren't one of these people that was like losing sleep over it. Were you able to compartmentalize that well, or how did that process go? Oh, I just I compartmentalized it probably better than anyone has ever done, I think. Um, I just put it on the shelf, and uh, just because, you know, the fear of the unknown. Um, you know, I didn't know how my team would react to it. I didn't want to cause a distraction, so I just kind of put it on the shelf and forgot all about it. Uh, easier said than done, of course, but, I mean, that's exactly what I did. So, John, when you, you've gotten married since, right? No. No. Oh, uh, I've, I'm I've sorry. Are you still with the partner? Yeah, I'm still with the same partner um, that I had uh, back when we did the interview in 2012. But you're in Tennessee, which doesn't allow marriage just yet. Right. And how long have you been together? Um, probably two and a half years now. And is he a bear? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and more importantly, is he a baseball fan? Uh, well, he is now. Uh, I got to teach him a lot about the game over the last couple of years, and he actually enjoys watching baseball, and, um, you know, he actually knows what's going on right now. So it's kind of exciting. It's kind of opened up a new world to him, too. He, he really wasn't into sports um, that much until I met him, and uh, he kind of likes it. You know, he, he accompanies me uh, with my gay softball team that I'm on here in Nashville. Uh, so we just got back from the World Series, as a matter of fact, in Dallas. So um, you know he has uh, he has a lot of fun going on these uh, trips with me and um, you know learning about sports. So it's 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 very refreshing. How did your baseball team softball team do? Uh, we came in 13th out of 55 teams in Dallas, um, which I found uh, particularly astonishing since we were kind of a uh, not a hip pickup team, but um, kind of like a hybrid team. We mixed a couple teams that dropped out of the league last year put everyone together, so we assembled a good group of guys, and we had a successful campaign this year. How does the shift from baseball, I mean, I assume, are you a pitcher in the softball league? Um, I, well, this year I did. You know, it's totally different, of course. It's underhand slow pitch. Um, uh, last year I played third base, but, you know, with each year I'm 41 years old now. I can't exactly move that well uh, playing third base or short enough anymore, so um, uh, that's where I have to play, so. So describe your coming out, like how you you did it after you you retired from baseball, and 
was it an easy process for you? Um, no, it wasn't an easy process for me. Um, you know, uh, I was living in Pennsylvania back in the when in 2007. Um, I met a, my first boyfriend online, and um, I moved to Mobile, Alabama, of all places. Uh, but he and I could be together. I uh, told my parents I landed a job down there, so I basically I kind of lied to them on why I was moving. But, you know, about a year later, um, right around Christmas time, I was uh, on my way to visit my parents for the holidays, and that's when I decided to sit them down and tell them. And and what did they say? Uh, they took it about as good as anyone can take it. Um, my father said that he loves me even more, and my mom you know, supports me in everything that I, uh, and everything that I do. And, um, so I, 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 it couldn't happen, um, any better than what it did. Well, talk about now you retired in 2005. So it's nine years later. Do you, but you were closeted then. And since we've never had an openly gay major baseball, a major league baseball player, we've had Jason Collins in the NBA. We have Michael Sam, who's now in the NFL, even though he's not on an official roster known in the NHL. Talk a bit about the culture of baseball, and do you think baseball is ready, and why would that be? Oh, I absolutely think that baseball is ready. Um, seeing as, going back to the Michael Sam issue, um, just for the you know few instances where some idiots made some wrote some bad things. Uh, in fact, the you know the ESPN article about you know what his shower uh, things are in the shower, and um, some of the things you know the guys put all the S's on the back of the jersey. Those are a few isolated incidences, and you know, as of late, we ha- really haven't heard a whole lot. So I think everything's calmed down, and, you know, I just think it's it's about time for someone in baseball to step forward, and they got to realize that, you know, in, in order to have a good team, everybody's got to have each other's back. And I think that it would be really, really would be accepted in baseball nowadays. Well, I've, I've always wondered if, if the structure of baseball made it harder. That is, you know, the way guys – come up and down in and out of the my, the major leagues shifting around teams in the minor leagues playing in in small town USA all the time there's just all I mean the the clubhouse looks different from week to week to week is is that does that make it harder i mean this in the NFL you know the the the, the uh, once the season starts the rosters don't change that much but in baseball they seem to a bit more yeah i believe it would you know um the you know the smaller town effect as we know um I, you know i think the way it is you know smaller towns to me i feel like have a tendency to have a a, a, a closed mind about things you know I, I think that you people would feel a lot more comfortable coming out in a city or playing for a team in new york city or san francisco than it would be for a place like pulaski tennessee so, so then do you think it would be an established player that would probably be more comfortable than someone who's in the minor leagues and might be spending three or four years in these small towns? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, someone more established, I think it would take – definitely it would take someone more established um, to come out um, and, you know, some people would follow suit, I believe. Um, so I, I just – I don't think that um, – I think it would be really tough for, let's say, some high school – 18-year-old stud that's, you know, a, cl- a closeted gay man um, to come out of the closet um, and successfully transition into professional baseball and climb up the, climb up the ladder. I do think it would take uh, someone established 
nowadays in order for that to happen uh, more successfully than someone that's 18 and just now entering the professional ranks. Why? Is it just that much more subjectivity? Um, I believe so. Um, I believe so. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I just I just think it would be really, really hard. Um, again, I, I think that maybe an 18-year-old wouldn't, wouldn't um, I don't think he would handle it properly you know, as far as the maturity level goes um, as someone maybe that's 25 or 26 or 27 that's already established himself in professional sports. But but the, then why do you think, and then we ask this of every athlete we get and we have different answers, why do you think nobody does it? I just, I honestly think they're afraid. I think they're afraid that, um, you know, they're going to lose their job, which, you know, nowadays I, I don't believe they could because of their sexual orientation. But I just feel like they're just afraid at this point still. They haven't seen following... that one person. Have you been following what Major League Baseball has been doing to to help with these issues over the last couple of years, and and do you, if you have, do you think that their efforts help? Yeah, you know, I I saw, you know, there was an instance a couple of years ago when, um, one of the players for the Toronto Blue Jays on his eye black that he had underneath his eyes had the Spanish term for faggot underneath it, and you know he was fined, and I'm sure he had to go through some sensitivity training and and things like that, so. Major League Baseball is taking steps to uh, to diminish all these kinds of things. You know, now you got Billy Bean that's um, in Major League Baseball developed the department for um, inclusion. So that's another good step in the right direction. Well, if you yeah, could talk to Billy Bean, oh, good. As, he's, good. As, yep. as as you know, Billy's helping Major League Baseball develop a program to to help with these issues in baseball. What would you tell Billy? What do you think would really help athletes be comfortable with coming out of the closet? Help convince them that they're that the other people in the locker room would would be comfortable with it. What would you tell him? What do you What do you think they should be doing? Uh, you know, I just I just really think they need to um, hit on the fact that if you know most of your teammates are going to accept you for who you are. Most of your teammates are going to respect you even more for being being your true self. Um, I believe that's, you know, what these kids need to know. Um, it's just going to help the team be closer, and and, and most times uh, the team's going to be more successful. So, so, so did you did you hear the word fag, gay, that's so gay, thrown around a lot when you were playing? Was that an epithet of choice among players or not? Not so much. Not so much. Um, you know, nothing that was said in a hateful manner. Uh, you know, I, I just really never heard it that much. You know, playing all those years in minor league baseball, uh, not really that much. So then what does that say about the fear? That there's all this fear and yet sort of, the external forces don't seem to be there against uh, against someone doing it, and yet people are still afraid. People are still afraid. They, they're just afraid that they are going to lose um, all the blood, sweat, and tears that they put into the game to make themselves a better player. They, they're, they're just afraid that they're going to lose it all just by saying that they're gay at this point. 
Well, I mean, is that right? Do you talk to other? Do you talk to gay baseball players? Is this really what they're telling you? I have not talked to, or do I know of one player that has come out as gay? Um, you know, once you once you leave the sport, you're kind of pretty much out of the loop. <laughs> so it's so just, these are just, just yeah, these are assumptions you're what making. I'm feeling. Yeah, kind of assumptions that I'm making, sure. Because it's well, what, what, I mean, what's ahead but, for you? I mean, do you, what's ahead for you with sports? I mean, you just are you, uh, are, do you, are you thinking about coaching, or are you just gonna stick with the gay softball league? Where, where are you headed in your in your sports career? Um, I've really had no, um, I had no thoughts of going into coaching. Um, you know, I just, you know, wanted to go. Once I retired, I wanted to, you know, go back to school, get my degree, and start being a normal person, um, you know, other than keeping active playing some sports like softball, basketball, or whatever, um, yeah, I really had no inkling to get back into pro sports at all. So let's talk real briefly about the baseball playoffs. Uh, I know Sid's a huge baseball fan, um, and out here... Everybody's uh, talking about him. I, I've never, I've well, rarely seen people in the last week are really talking about the baseball playoffs because of the game, cause some of the games have been great. And here you have, uh, John, we have, with the Angels and Dodgers, probably the two favorites in each league to make the the, the, seri- the World Series. How do you see things playing out? And do you have any sleepers? Or uh, well, I do believe I do believe in the end it's going to be an all Los Angeles World Series. Um, but you know, uh, with uh, the Angels playing Kansas City, uh, I feel like Kansas City's got the upper hand with uh, Jason Vargas pitching against. Uh, Jared Weaver. I and think Kansas City the, can jump out to a nice lead. And the Tigers, Orioles. Tigers, Orioles. You know, you got Max Scherzer going for Detroit, and Chris Tillman going for Baltimore. I just think that Detroit has a lot of experience um, in the in the playoff atmosphere, um, and I think Detroit's going to sweep. And you think the Dodgers will beat the Cardinals, who they couldn't beat last year? I believe the Dodgers are going to beat the Cardinals. The the Dodgers pitching with their starting rotation is just kind of ridiculous. And their bullpen, they're hitting on all cylinders offensively and defensively. And then the Nationals and the Giants. The Giants who have won, I think, six consecutive elimination games in the playoffs. It's pretty amazing. Really, really amazing. But, you know, Washington is such an exciting young team. And I was pulling for them last year and the year before as well, you know, with uh, young Bryce Harper, Desmond. you got a couple of veterans on the team with Zimmerman. Um, again, it's coming down to Washington's pitching staff. I think that uh, the Nationals' pitching staff is going to outduel uh, San Francisco's for sure. And, well, Sid, you can tell that he's not from this Southern California because he said it would be an all-Los Angeles World Series. Of course, nobody <laughs> out here thinks the Angels are in Los Angeles. They're down in Orange County, Anaheim. <laughs> well, I like to call the Dodgers the Los Angeles Dodgers of Los Angeles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a marketing ploy. Well, well, John, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, and uh, good luck in uh, in making your, all your predictions of Major League Baseball. Who's your Who's your final? Who's going to win the World Series? Los so Angeles. Make a Dodgers name for yourself right now. What's that? Los Angeles Dodgers are going to win the World Series. And, and 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 what's the final series going to be? It will be four games 
four games to one LA. Over the Angels. Over the Angels. All right, well, we will mark it down. We will tweet that out and, and, and call you a genius. It happened to uh, luckily be correct. <laughs> of course, it's going to be the Giants and, and, and Baltimore, you do realize that at this point. You've just jinxed Los Angeles. You've just yeah. jinxed Southern California. Well, John, thanks a lot for being our guest and um, in, enjoyed your coming out story a couple of years ago. And I think we need more more of them. So hopefully, hopefully there'll be a major league, a gay major leaguer soon. Thanks a lot, guys. It's been great. All right, thanks. Thank you. Bye bye. Well, Sid, let's uh, shift from baseball to football. And uh, on Monday, Sid wrote a piece for Outsports. Uh, Tom Brady is was it done. What was the headline? Is Tom Brady Tom Brady's the last Tom Brady? stand? Last stand, and it was basically predicting this would be Brady's last year for various reasons. It wound up on Yahoo Sports and got a ton of attention and a lot of people calling you premature. And then Monday night, Brady had maybe the worst game I've ever seen him play. I mean, since he was, you know, the star, uh, committed four turnovers, two fumbles, two interceptions, including a pick six. So you're, uh, you look pretty prophetic about that. Um, but there's a big game coming up this week with the Bengals that, to me, is one of the more intriguing games in recent years because – this is a game in the past the Patriots would win. Simply, they'll find a way to win and right the ship. How do you see it playing out? Well, I just, I just think that uh, I, I, first, I, it was funny that I posted that. And I've been thinking that Tom Brady's just nearing the end of his career faster than most people think for a while, even last season. And people want to blame everybody else on the team, but I just think Tom Brady's just not as good as he used to be. And, yeah, I got a lot of hate mail on Monday, and then I got three apology emails Monday night. Uh, how do I see it playing out? I don't know. I just, you know, I just think that Tom Brady will not be a New England Patriot next season unless they somehow get to the Super Bowl. I, I you know, in listening to Bill Belichick talk yesterday uh, and the day before, he. You know, he said that they're evaluating the quarterback position. He scoffed the question at first, and then he answered it in another place. So I just think that he uh, – yeah, I think he's done. How are the Patriots going to do this season? I have it's, – it's, it's impossible to predict. I mean, the Patriots can still – they can still go to the Super Bowl. Even with Tom Brady playing badly, they have a very talented defense. I don't, I don't know what happened Monday night, but they still have a very talented defense. They still have talent on the offense. I, I do like the, the running backs, and I'm sorry. They do have talent at the receiver position. I like Julian Elliman and, and Aaron Dobbs yep. in the talent. I don't know why they don't use him more in Gronkowski. So uh, they, they have the pieces. They just have to put it together. But I, I still I, I, I maintain this is Tom Brady's last season as, as a Patriot. And if it's not, I don't know. The Patriot way is dead. Well, I, I mean, I disagree on off. I don't think they're as talented as you think on offense, but I'm thinking about like if this is his last season, like a perfect landing spot for him would be Houston. Bill O'Brien is former in New England, off an offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach when he was there. Um, and you have, you know, it could be a Brett Favre kind of situation going to Minnesota, where you just you land on a team Houston that doesn't have a quarterback right now. I'm mean, sorry, Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't very good, but has yeah. a lot of other talent, especially on defense. Um, seems almost inconceivable, but. 
who would have thought Peyton Manning would be winding up his days with the Broncos? That was injury-related, but also was the Colts cut him. I mean, the Colts, you know, cut him for Andrew Luck, and Garoppolo looked good Monday. Granted, it was in garbage time, but I was talking to a reporter from the New York Times who just said that watching Garoppolo, he just seemed the ball got out faster. Just there was a lot more confidence, and that's what I think I'm seeing with Brady. Is just a, seems this lack of confidence. He just doesn't trust anything. Doesn't trust his pocket. Doesn't trust receivers. And it's like when he gets these sacks, it's almost like you expect the ball to fall out each time. You know, like he these strip sacks where all of a sudden the ball's gone. It's almost like he has the yips or something. Yeah, it, well, it'd be interesting. They play the Patriots play at Houston next season, so that would certainly be a, a prime time game. But uh, yeah, I just he's just not that good anymore. And 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 who knows? Maybe with a change of scenery, uh, different players, a different coordinator, maybe he could revive himself for a season or two. But right now, in that system with those players on that team, Tom Brady's done. And and you watch. I mean, it's funny. I was watching the game with my sister, and I said, when it was whatever the score was, it was a blowout. And I said, you watch. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to come in. He's going to march right down the field, score a touchdown, and all hell is going to break loose in Boston. It's exactly what. Happened. Yep. Well, but you're right. So though, again, the, it was the, the NFL. So weird. It's the most two and two teams ever. Thirteen of them right now. Yeah, the Patriots can still make the playoffs, make the Super Bowl things run right. But I do think about Brady that it just seems like that that whole era of the way they play football on offense is pretty much on its way out. And if Garoppolo's as good as they think he is and looks, that it's kind of like, you know, with uh, Ryan Mallett, it may not have happened, but they get this guy with Garoppolo, and I might be, okay, maybe we'll do to Brady what we did to Drew Bledsoe. If you watch the football games, you saw last year the Patriots became a running team. No team under Peyton Manning ever became a running team. No team under Brett Favre became a running team. The Patriots became a running team last season, and, and they are continuing that this season. They're running more. They couldn't, they couldn't on Monday night because they had to try in the second and third quarter to start to play catch-up, but they're running more, and, and they just didn't do that when Brady was at his best, when Brady was – Younger, and they had Corey Dillon, and they they were running. Marshall, uh, Kevin Falk, they were running more, but they're kind of back to square one. We need a strong defense, a quarterback who's not going to score up the games. And right now, Brady just isn't helping out. I understand the offensive line is problematic. I understand the receivers; they don't they don't have a Randy Moss, they don't have a Reggie Wayne, they don't have a go to guy. But um, Tom Brady isn't playing well. And what I love about this Sunday night is they're playing a team, the Bengals, that have not shown up on prime time. I mean, meaning that they tend to fall apart in these games. That's why I said it's an intriguing game for me. Historically, the Patriots would win this game. They just, they just would. But if the Bengals go in, the New England and win, it tells you a lot about the Bengals and tells you stuff about the Patriots. Um, so it's, it's early in the season, but for me it's the most intriguing matchup so far just given the, the kind of two teams involved in the situation. And well, guarantee honestly, everyone will be watching. This season, you think about what happened in the Broncos' last game and the Patriots. Both teams went on the road to, to, to the two toughest places in the league to play, the two loudest stadiums, and lost. Now they both come home. These two games are games that Peyton Manning and Tom Brady have won a hundred times. Coming back home, tough opponent, and make a statement. We're going to find out what the future, what 
what the future this season holds, I think, for the Broncos and the Patriots this week. Are these two going to go back home and right the ship, or are they not? I think for both teams, it's a big week. Yeah, the Broncos play uh, unbeaten Arizona, and the Patriots play unbeaten Cincinnati. So it's yeah, they both uh, the they two both unbeaten. play the last two unbeaten teams. Yeah, and I picked. I think I think the Broncos will win this game, and I certainly hope so because you and I have Arizona in this losers pool. So <laughs> um, it just is the kind of I game. I did that in part that, because. The, good. I just said I did that in part because if if the Cardinals somehow beat the Broncos, I'm ecstatic. So exactly. <laughs> well, these are the games that Manning just does. He doesn't. He he's only time ever in his career got upset. It's been by division foes, but he just doesn't lose these non-division, non-conference games. The teams that they're favored over just historically doesn't happen. And I like the I like their chances. And in the Bengal Patriot game, I wouldn't touch it. I just don't know which team's going to show up for either. Yeah, the Patriots did not play great at home against the Oakland Raiders. They've had yeah. Patriots. The first for three of the first four games were on the road, so they're coming back home. This is the biggest home game they've had and since the playoffs, and and, and we'll, we'll I don't know we'll find out. But I uh, I don't know. I think this is the, it's, again this is the end of Tom Brady. I'm curious I'm curious how much longer Peyton Manning has. Two years. He has two more years. Yeah, that's my How guess. How old is he? What is he? It'll be 40? 38. Be 40. I, think after, I think after this season, barring injury, he'll have two more seasons. That's my guess. Yeah, he could. He's playing well. He's certainly playing better than Tom, yeah. <laughs> Tom Brady. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've, never, I've never loved Tom Brady, even though I love the Patriots. But I guess, that's, I guess we'll, we'll know more in a week. That's all the, mm-hmm. the time we have this week. Uh, I will be, gosh, I don't know if we'll have one next week because I'll be at the Gay Bowl. By the, yeah, no, I think we can fit one in with the time. So we will be back, back next week. I'll be in Philadelphia at the Gay Bowl. Jim will be in L.A. We will talk to you then.